0: All right, John chapter 3. I want to move back to verse 19 so we can get a, a running go at what's about to happen here. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he'd done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. Again, If we were telling the God story, or not telling, if we were in charge of how God did things, there would be no line saying, Herod locked John up in prison, right? It's the same with the the Jericho story, the same with born in Bethlehem. God absolutely does not meet our standards or expectations because, as he brings up in the Old Testament more than once, we only see with our eyes We don't know the longer, bigger story. He's in charge of that. And so raising my kids, I always taught them the two rules of life. Number one, there is a God. Number two, you're not him. And you can question him and you can wrestle him down by the river. Jacob did it. Um, But always be aware, he does know what he's doing. And he's not panicked. We panic. He isn't. So if he doesn't come rushing in, it's because he doesn't think that's necessary. That's so hard for us sometimes, but there it is. When all the people were being baptized, and again, the Bible uses language like we use language. As I was preparing the lesson and going over the mustard seed illustration, it, it made me sad because I kept thinking of the way in our church we were so literal about the way we read scripture that they had to argue that the mustard seed was the smallest and the bush was the biggest. Even though it's a way to speak. It's, a, it's how we do things. For example, here, all the people were all the people. Well, no, but it, we know what that means, don't we? The common people were flocking there. You know, people say, you know, you know that you can't miss this show. And I always always miss it just to prove them wrong. But others will say, everybody's falling in love with. And on Twitter and Facebook, people, they are all clickbait scams. Everybody is going crazy about this new product. If they were, you would already know it. Why would you have to click through five screens if everybody's already crazy about it? But people collect through collecting viruses, collecting uh, all kinds of Trojan horses in there, and they um, and so every couple of years so they'll come. One of my relatives is going to me and say, "Well, my computer's just so it's just full of junk, I can't get it to work." And I'm going, "Well, you need to quit taking quizzes on what color you are and what tree you are. Step away. All the people we understand what that means. Jesus was baptized too. Now." I was asked last week, about the ba- uh, privately, about the baptism of Jesus and the why. And I'm going to take, I have a capo in my pocket, and I'm worrying myself half to death with it. I'm one of those people that I should never have a, cl- a paper clip within reach. There we are. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> As a, why was Jesus baptized? Well, we were told one reason to be baptized, and that was, to forgive sins, and that was a reason before Jesus told his apostles to go into all the world, and and Peter preached a sermon in Acts chapter 2. People were baptized to wash away their sins. It was a ritual, but it also was a ritual of community, of respect to God, that you did not approach God unclean, and so you would have mitvah, and this was generally below street level, they would carve it down. Uh, I believe that there were some that were built up and you went into them like kind of like baptistries today. But by and large, the most of them would have steps going in and steps going out. And ritually, people would go down through this constantly, you know, go under the water and then come up and they would, you know, let the water run off and say their prayers to be clean to go to temple, to be clean to sacrifice, to be clean. Mikvah. And if you have more than one mikvah, they're mikvah ot. I uh, always thought that was uh, funny. Be- well, not that the ot, but the im, because you know, females one and males the other. And I found out that bottles, you know, bubak is bottle, and bottles is bubakim. And when you're nine years old, that's a hoot. But mikvah, Jesus would have been baptized via mikvah already. It was part of the worship, yes, please. We're in your wheelhouse now, Dr. Limits. (laughs) Thank you. Uh,
1: Think about the Essenes uh, east of the garden, 200 years before Jesus was born, or thereabout, how often they immersed and uh, celebrated such.
0: That's absolutely true. And the Essenes were male only, and most of the Jewish, I I guess all the other Jewish ones, uh, women were part of the worship, but they were separate, and they had their separate mikvah because you're going into water. Um, you're generally not taking your clothes with you. And in fact, for a long time in the church, people were baptized naked. And I don't recommend that. No, I just, no, no, I just don't. That's, um, I, it might be great for you, you're, you're, you're being saved, but the rest of us have to see that. And no, no, we don't really need to. They'd also do an exorcism before the baptism. They took this very seriously. It was, so did Jesus go in because he had sin? No. He went in because that's what his people did. Jesus walked with us. He fulfilled all righteousness so that the writer of Hebrews could later, he hit it many times, or he or she hit it many times, that everything we went through, he went through. Now, I preached a sermon to that effect once, and back in the day before the internet, I would leave my notes up, On the pulpit for a week, and because you couldn't post them, there was no online, and people would come and make copies of the light. I remember coming up once, and I'd made the point of Jesus having gone through all we've gone through, and somebody had written in red pen, I think it's the red pen that bothered me, blue pen I can handle, that's the editor's color, and I've been edited all my life, but they'll, and, and Jesus was never pregnant, he was never a woman pregnant, so he couldn't have understood that, and I was thinking, Who inhabits our cells? Who created woman? Who designed the birth process? Read Job. He is all through that. He knows every single nerve that's hit. And and women do pay a terrible cost to bring babies into this world. And that's one another out of thousands of reasons to honor them. Um, And of course, those who don't have babies, we honor them too. We're just saying that's another reason. It's just, um, Jesus is intimately involved. Now, so he comes as a, as a man, but he hangs out a lot with women and speaks for them and speaks up for them and intercedes for them. He was wrapped around all of this. He was part of our culture. Had he been here, I think he'd go to a ball game with you. I think he'd go watch high school football or whatever. You know, I that, that now that was one thing. Moving to the mid south I didn't know that we were going to have an hour every week of here the high school teams doing what I'm going that's on the news I wasn't aware that it was the major religion in the SEC and then second is Baptist I'm not sure what the others are but it's very simple and people always want this deep theological thing I don't think there's a deep theological reason Jesus was baptized. I think he was baptized because that's what they did to show honor to God and that they are part of a community of believers. Do you have any more you'd like to throw at that?
1: Not other than John baptized unto the forgiveness of sin. The technically would would be for the average person, but I do believe that Jesus did this as a part of the custom for our good people at that time
0: it is very true and we could go into the big theology here but i'm not going to do it with, without a white board and a lot of markers about how the sins until the cross were put forward and then at the cross grace rolled backwards and then rolls with us uh, that does not mean the jews are are gone please it just means all human beings uh, now have the grace of god available the holy spirit descended on, on him in bodily form like a dove And a voice came from heaven you are my son whom I love with you I am well pleased there's so much here we um, traditionally Christians have depicted the Holy Spirit as a dove and and you'll see doves we don't have one here don't think we have any zoomorphic things here but they will have there'll be a dove descending in stained glass and the songs on the wings of a snow white dove you but remember, it's like, because they didn't have words to describe what they were seeing. I think they were seeing light coming down and flickering around him. They were, that little veil between our world and the real world sometimes gets thinned. Do you remember our year where we talked about thin places? And you're able to see the flickers. If you really want an example of that, uh, read Elijah. Uh, read, I'm sorry, read Ezekiel, Uh Read Ezekiel. And then count or circle the number of comparative terms he uses, like, as, unto, because he had no words for what he was seeing. He had to find other images. For and you look like a man with a thought.
1: 31 times Ezekiel says, that the Lord said unto me, the Lord said unto me.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like, and this isn't come from, I don't know what he meant either, but this is what he said, right? Uh, and it's Ezekiel's an amazing book, but in... It'll blow your circuits. Yes. And by the way, Orthodox Jews don't let their uh, people read it until they're 30. Because they say you you need to be grown up or it'll mess with your head. They say it that much more elegantly than I just did. But the Holy Spirit comes down on him and then God speaks from heaven. What do we have in this one verse? We have Trinity. Amen. Amen. Uh, I've talked to, I don't know how many people that are convinced that... um, they have one of two ways, Jesus only movement, in fact they even baptize, they'll say I baptize you in the name of Jesus only and I'm thinking he said baptize in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit, how can you baptize in his name and not do it the way he told you to, but they will say that uh, in heaven he is God on earth uh, he was Jesus and the Holy Spirit was was his breath and I'm going there are so many wrong things with this in the garden who is he praying to because he's if if what you're saying is correct, heaven's empty right now, and when it says holy, they say the spirit just means breath, when Jesus was casting out evil spirits, is that bad breath? I mean, what, how do you work this? How does it work? Language has to work, you know, I know a few languages, I wish I knew a lot more, I am, language has a math to it, it has a process to it, it has to work, here you have the Trinity. Oh, by the way, I've had people say there's no, the, the Trinity is not in, uh, in the Bible. You know, you, the word Trinity. So we can't use it because we have Bible names for Bible things. Have you heard that sort of thing? That's why we were, um, a mighty fortress is our God. We changed it. Instead of blessed Trinity, blessed Godhead three. Perhaps the most awkward phrasing to be found out of in any song, except for our God, he is alive. Again, great song. But to make the words fit, he had to switch the order of the direct object. And if our God who sat upon a tree, a life was willing there to give that, he, and I'm going, turn, turn it back. It's confusing. But evidently, I'm the only person on the planet that thinks so, so. Patrick, 150 years ago, a great scholar what? said they are three and yet they are one. And that
1: is inscrutable to the human mind. it's
0: a matter of faith it, it is although in quantum physics we see it you fire a beam and there are two slits and then you hit you're firing an atom that's what you're doing a beam of atoms and you look on the back and you find that some went through as a ray some went through as a beam some are scattered and they went through the two slits at the same time You're going. Multi location? Absolutely. Whenever I work with atheists, if they are biologists or paleontologists, I've got a a heavy load to carry. That's a lot of work. If they're physicists, I'll go, cool, let's talk. And, And especially all physicists know enough about quantum physics to have good discussions. If you don't know the difference, classical physics, Newtonian physics, it's sometimes called. Um, is all you need to know to, s- to survive on the planet. It's the traffic rules of the universe. It works. But to explain how those rules got there and how they really function, we have to go super, super, super small or super, super big. And the, lo- the closer you get to the edges, the more our classical physics breaks down and doesn't work. For example, one of our big problems in the universe is we don't have enough mass for the gravity we have. We're still looking for it. Gravity's the weakest of the four forces, and yet it's here. And so we have to figure out ways it wraps in. So when I talk to a physicist and they, they question anything about the Trinity, I'll say, come on. You already know three can be one, and one is three, according to its size and intention. And it gets real quiet in a room. And especially with East Asians that I've worked with, there's a little Muslims that I've worked with. That little huh, and then we can have a discussion. And it's brilliant that way. And again, you don't have to know anything about quantum physics, just quote that, they'll get all excited. But another thing is here, God was Jesus's chief cheerleader. Um, Who was that? that wrote The Blessing, the Gary Smalley and John Trent, wasn't it? And we studied that in Lancaster when we first came to the States. Um, and it was all, all about if your father and mother don't give you the blessing, what scars you carry through life and how you have to deal with that. And I still don't watch movies that have a real happy ending and a reconciliation at the end because I didn't get that. And I knew I wasn't going to get that. Not poor me, I'm a blessed man. But there is a hole that is there and there are scars that are there if you aren't given the blessing by your parents. And it does matter that other people give you the blessing. I had a friend of mine, uh, Eric from Thailand, fly in to summer celebration last, um, uh, last summer, so teaching at Lipscomb. And I wondered why Eric had come all the way from Thailand and, and was asking if he could meet with me during the uh, at Lipscomb and so we met over a meal and it all came down to he wanted to give me the blessing he said I know you didn't get it from your father and I want and it was one of the most touching and wonderful things and yet didn't have a big effect one of the reasons is my wiring is weird and I know it but another is because it didn't come from the source so you have to work around it right so I have another family it's fourth avenue and this is my family and this is my favorite day of the week because I get to see you. Even a, a loner and an introvert can enjoy seeing his church family and especially rejoice knowing that it's time limited and you will leave. Not like relatives. God here makes public and, and by the way, this is called super praising. If, uh, if I say to my son, as I did yesterday, via text, we don't talk, it's safer to, not kidding. Uh, it was tech, uh, and I said, I'm so proud of you. Amazing what you're doing. That's, that's important to him. Very important. But if I say it in front of others, that's called super praise. And especially if you have little kids, you need to find a way to super praise them as often as possible. That was the least disastrous you've ever been. You know, find a way, find a way. Um, and so here, you are my son whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. Done in public, done before all, and the Holy Spirit circling around him. And that, by the way, is something we see a little dove flickering around. That's not what they would have thought. Descend like a dove. But What happens when the Holy Spirit descends? To the Jews. First time, he puts order into chaos everything's out of control, and then when he moves in, life, light, creation. In the Old Testament, every time the Holy Spirit showed up, it was a very massive thing that was about to happen. So when they saw that, they would have been, um, speechless, doesn't gobsmacked is a better word, but you don't speak English. Um, I don't know what else to say, but you know, um, what was you saying in this house? Slap silly? I don't know. You have so many folks sayings. Yeah, come up with one of your own later. And meet me in Pottery Barn or Restoration Hardware or William sonoma or one of those. I don't know. Jesus himself was about 30 years old. Ding, ding, ding. And here's where we get all hung up. Jesus died when he was 33 and a half years old. Now we need to move this back. Stop it, stop it, stop it. He was about 30. And... He preached for about three years, and there was a bit extra on the ends. God, the Jews aren't that interested in the numbers. Drives us nuts, aren't they? About 30. Well, how old was he? Luke was a great historian. We've already, we've already talked about that, how he interviewed first sources. Why would you say about? Because birthdays weren't a thing. You know, they didn't have birthdays. of something. Yay, you survived another year. When did you get your driver's license, right? Yeah, I don't think you should be on that donkey. You're a little bit young for that there, lad. Now, again, they had rites of passage. When you were about 12, which, by the way, they, the way they count numbers, it would have been 11 to us. See, um, if, whatever year you are, add a year to the Jews because they would say, you, you are in your that year. Yes. So they had that. Was it exact? no. Or you would have had birthday parties showing up every day at the temple. No, it's when you get there and you're about this age. Yes, please.
1: The bar mitzvah was for 13-year-old boys.
0: Yes, and that's, that's something which has developed over the years in a Jewish community. Yeah, the bar mitzvah, and then what's, what's the, the woman one? Um, bas, bas mitzvah, bas mitzvah. Bas mitzvah, okay, thank you. Um, and you know, if you do it, if you're an observant Jew, there's a lot of memorization that's done. Um, And you have to to do all the quoting and the like. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was a son, so it was thought of Joseph. Now, I love the way he put it. We all know he was a son of God. But then he goes off on a lineage. These lineages, the one in Matthew and the one here in Luke, do not agree on all particulars. And that has caused people real issues. Was... You know, Jesus, the cousin of, or the uncle of, or how to... Again, that's something we obsess about. They are family. I, it, it just, it has always amazed me when I talk to... You know, I've been part of the British um, GNA, DNA project for 12 years before we ever checked DNA. They were... Tri- at least we did. They they divide the British into four main groups. And I've been reading it and sending and stuff and the like. And, and I've done the the DNA here as well. By the way, the tests are pretty good. So people ask me which one. Well, somewhere, if you want to know all the health stuff, pay the extra. But if you just want where you're from, there are many places. That said, when I talk to Americans, how many people think they're related to a Cherokee princess? Two problems. Um, Cherokees didn't have any princesses. I don't even need to do the second one, but I'm going to. The Cherokee had a cultural mandate to take the wayfarer, the, farer, the lost, the tribeless. Cherokee was not a bloodline, it was a culture. And so the Cherokee came in all kinds of colors, escaped slaves were welcomed, troopers that deserted were welcomed. Um, they, they didn't steal babies, that was kind of a... the Choctaw did, there were several that did and I'm sure some Cherokees did, but that wasn't a cultural norm. As they went, they absorbed the people who were thrown away and left behind and gave them community. So it's not a bloodline. So there's not a Cherokee gene, but there are Native American genes. There's an Asiatic gene. There's a mongoloid dot. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about here, Um, but a mongoloid, (laughs) now I have to do that, don't I? Back in the day, people used to call uh, people with Down syndromes mongoloid. And the reason was Darwinian evolutionary biology believed that white English people were the pinnacle of human development. Obviously they'd not met many but they believed that. And they looked upon Asian people as silly and mentally um, disabled, unable to ever come up to the standard of the white Englishman and so whenever Down syndrome was first diagnosed they called it Mongoloidism because they were saying that a white person with Downs, they didn't call it Downs, um, is as smart as any Asian can ever be. It was horrific racism, that's why they used it. But whenever a geneticist says Mongoloid, which they try not to do in public, they mean Asian and including um, Asians from the northeast of the Russia country, right? All of those put together, and there are genetic markers for them that come over here to the Americans. Here's the point. They're going to say, you're from here, you're from there. I can tell you, for example, that I'm related, and I'll do this even though I'm in the South. My great-great-great-great-granduncle was George Gordon Meade, the uh, General Gettysburg. He was born of Scottish parents in Spain and raised in America. Yes, we still do that, don't we? My family has never settled. We're just, you know, that's why my email is traveling mead, not sedentary mead. Um, And besides, you've heard me preach. It's best to keep moving. um, Looking at the way all this works, I can say, I come from the line of George Gordon Mead. Genetically, no, I don't. But the way we culturally accept family and when you're brought in your family my wife um the story i think most of you know her father died when she was very very little her mother married a a wonderful man who is her dad in every way and it tickles me and i think it tickles her too whenever he's standing there they were here recently for a couple Sundays whenever he's standing near her they'll go oh you look just like your dad there's not one bit of genetic material in there but that adoption it matters so when people say who's cammy's dad i say jerry because he is is that technically scientifically correct no but i'm not trying to be i'm talking about culture and family if you understand this then the two lines don't upset you people will say well he runs run through mary and one through joseph kinda. There's still some issues with us, not with them. They would have understood the lineage. They'd get it. Alright? Do you want to say anything to that? Before? I'm going to skip over it, by the way.
1: No, except uh, before you end, I believe verses 34 through the end of this chapter should be the preface for the entire New Testament. And I know we don't meet two more weeks in the next two weeks, and so those last four verses of this chapter to me are the very they say everything in the greatest way in my judgment.
0: Well, it's really Genesis 1 through 11, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. Um, it is. If you want to understand what he's saying, uh, you can look at 34, which looks like it's the middle of a paragraph. They didn't have paragraphs. This, this is a, a Western invention. Uh, 34 through 38. Yes. And read backwards. And you'll see it from the way Matthew did it. And then read it forwards again. And you see names. Um, I will tell you one thing which Luke is exceptionally different, you know, very, very different from Matthew. Matthew names four women, all of whom we wouldn't have fallen women, foreign women, um, like Ruth. Luke just runs, runs it with the, the males. Oh, and by the way, I wish they were here. One of our members, they, they retired from running a music store. They retired and sold the store before coming and meeting me, which I still find hurtful. Uh, I would have liked to have had that sale, you know, all of it. That said, um, Andrew Peterson, if you know anything about Christian music, which I don't know much. I'm learning since I moved here. Uh, he is huge in, in that. And I won't tell the story (laughs) that we we heard at Ryman because it's funny but it has a word I'm not allowed to use here. Meet me later in Pottery Barn Um, or one of them. But he wrote a thing which I've uh, they just did it to Ryman and they're going to stream it on YouTube somehow. But he he has a a song which is Matthew 1. All the baguettes. I've been listening to it thinking I'm going to do this but not without notes because I'm gonna get lost. But it's brilliant, and, and it doesn't seem forced or contrived, which a lot of stuff like this does. It flows. And so by the way, that's that CD that I've got at the house right now. Uh, they're letting me borrow it for now, because they, whenever somebody hands something to you and say, I'd like for you to listen to it, and then you start, you're gonna to have to let loose. They say, we really want it back. I said, best of luck. I'm an absent-minded professor, but names like Methuselah and Enoch are here, Uh, Seth is here, Uh, Peleg, there's a story about him, anyway, I've said what I want to say there, but why, I'm going to open in question, you talk as long as you want, why would you say this is the most important and the New Testament should start with
1: this? I just think that it summarizes, to me, it summarizes the height and the depth uh, theology as well as the human involvement in that in, in that divinity it's just beautiful those four verses are to me
0: I uh, I agree and I think what you're what you're keying off of and you correct me if I'm wrong is that when Luke traces the genealogy well when Matthew he he goes back you know Adam and Noah Luke goes to God Is that what you're keying off of, or what?
1: Now, we're looking at the last four verses of chapter 3 here. Yes, sir. And among other things, it talks about uh, the Father who loves the Son has placed everything in his hands, and God gives the Spirit without limit.
0: All right. Now, are you chapter 3, verse 34 forward? Is that what you're doing?
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in another book. I'm in another place.
0: Oh, that's all right. That's all right. No, no, no. Go ahead. No. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? We all enjoyed the discussion. Thank you. Right, and nobody here thinks you're giving my time back. All right, let's whoosh, going out into the wilderness.
1: Where's John
0: three? Yeah, we're Luke. Little... I, I did. I'm sorry. I'm, we're in Luke. Yes, and
1: I was in another passage. That's okay. related. But oh, there. You. All right. You've made it. Fair
0: enough. No, we're good. We're good. Um, John, John. I'm going to do it. Luke four. Here's something which, because of the where the genealogy is placed, we don't catch it very often. Jesus comes out of the water. God cheers him on. The Holy Spirit surrounds him and sends him into the wilderness. Loving God and following God does not mean you're going to have a good life. It might mean that you're going to tumble through hell and that there's not going to be a tunnel until you're dead. This, the whole, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons I can't watch any religious TV it's the triumphalism. You know, yes, we're winning, we're doing I'm going, you know, somebody listening to this has a kid that died when they were four. Let's pull back a little bit on the rah-rah. Prayer is not a, um, a magic thing. People pray and don't get answered and they die. And we rush to defend God and say, he did answer, he just said, no, that's a cop-out, stop it. He, he just said, there's something better. Something else is coming. And you got to get through this to get through that. You know, go for it. Well, <laughs> I get, get to see the, him please, poised.
1: May I just say, it, since we don't meet in the next two weeks for the end of the year, I believe that when John was killed, that, and Jesus wept over this, I believe that Jesus could have obviously kept him from being killed. But I think he had done his mission, and God allowed him to go on and be with the Lord.
0: Yeah, uh, that's, uh, Her- uh, John the Baptist does not get out of prison, not alive, and that's, we're going to get to some of that here in a bit, which is pretty rough, but as soon as Jesus is baptized, he's thrown into the wilderness, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, in other words, God will not, al- it will not always be Psalm 1, leaves me beside still waters, not always.
1: The Greek word is he was cast into the wilderness. He was tossed into the wilderness. be tempted by evil.
0: We Thrown in at the deep end. Where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Now, the next one. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. We really need to kind of cover this. 40 is not an ordinal to them. It is a concept. Could it possibly have been 40 actual 24-hour periods? Absolutely, but it's not required. So be careful how you push these. Um, then the next thing, he did not eat. Did he not eat anything for the 24-hour period and 40 of those? No, you don't live that way. Most fasting among Semitic people, including Muslims during Ramadan, is from sunrise to sunset. It is not 24-7. Did some do it 24-7? Yes, but humans die at around 26 to 31. We, and Cammy was there, I think you were there doing part of it. The, um, we watched this happen on our news in Breton, whenever the IRA prisoners went on hunger fast. First of them to die was Bobby Sands. And then it went and look up Bobby Sands and you get the whole story and every night we were on the we were watching another one died another one died you know they're gonna to try to force-feed this one but the, then the others go on hunger strike it was we, we got to where we knew what how many days is it all right we know when they're gonna drop then Now human beings have a, a limit and by the way um, when you get to that limit the pain tends to go away because you're digesting your nerve centers in the brain. The brain is fat. And so the body tries to save it for last, but it's going for it. Um, Going going without water, though, is hell. Everything you've got will scream. Every nerve ending will scream. And it takes... I don't know that anybody's gone 72 hours. I've heard people say 72, but I don't think so. I think we're more around 40 to 60. Um, by the way, that's why you keep swallowing, because your body has to keep fluid moving. All right, now all of you just swallowed.
1: Patrick, may I Please. share that our son, who several years ago, he his his fasted 40 days, and they did have... Uh, uh, Food of a sort, not food, yeah. but it was drink, um, concentrated drinks and the like. But he finished 40 days and then he didn't want to continue. He did want to continue fasting. And he called me. I was in a lecture in another city. And, and I said, But son, you have a beautiful wife, three children. You fasted 40 days. Beyond that, your body will begin to emaciate. He said, But dad, I have the odor of God in my nostrils.
0: And again, I think you're telling him you need to pull back out of it is, right. is
1: correct. Yeah. Yes, that is correct.
0: Fasting can get, and I'm not casting anything on your son, who I, I, I hear you talk about with such great pride and justifiably so. Anything we do, including fasting, can become a source of pride and about us if we don't watch out. That's why Jesus said to the Pharisees, stop telling people you're fasting. It was because they, were, they wanted people to go, ooh, look at them. Um, the devil said to him if you are the son of God tell this stone to become bread all right uh, does the devil know who Jesus is yes oh yes he does um, but the devil has never liked the plan look at we're going to do this next year um the third Sunday in, in January is when we started uh we're going to have special speakers on the 5th and the 12th and then I'll come back in on the 19th um, we're going to start with Ecclesiastes, who are you and do you matter, what's the point, then we're going to go to Job, in a cosmic sense, what's the point, what's the plan, then we're going to go to Revelation, how does it end, and so that may take all year, we'll just, we're going to play it by year. That, that's the sermons, come back to it, um, Job, the very opening chapter, there comes the devil and gone. Don't like this plan, and I think you're wrong about Job. He was very active in heaven. When did he get kicked out? That's a little bit of a controversy about tenses and verbs. It could be when Jesus sent out the 70, because he says, when I came back, I saw Satan fall as from heaven. I tend to think it was at the crucifixion. And that when he said, I saw him, it was about in the future, I know what's going to happen to him. But again, I'm not going to die on that mountain. I'm going to let you sort that out. But he's not in heaven anymore.
1: We have to get him in the Garden of Eden, of course. Sorry? I said, we, we have to give, find him in the Garden of Eden. Oh, yeah. yeah. The
0: snake is there. The snake is there. Yes. The snake is there. Um, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. You will not hear people phrase it that way, but every discussion I have with atheists will go to the if there is a God, then why this? And if he is a God, then he would do this. One of the, this is, um, it's called an argument against the group. And it's a, it's a fallacious argument. It's, you cannot argue against a concept by telling the concept what you want it to be. You're arguing against God when what you're really saying is, if God were the kind of God I want a God to be, then he would do this. You're dealing with the reality, not with your wish list. There's something different here. Do you want the God that is or do you want the God you want? You cannot wish your God into being or he is not your God He is your slave. We have to pull back and understand that the concept... It sounds like I'm really talking to those atheists. I'm talking to me. I, I, I will look at things and go, God, what? But I've learned not to say, well, if you do exist, then do this. No. You don't want to do that with God. Jesus answered, it is written... Man shall not live on bread alone. What an interesting response. I would have really expected him to say, You know who I am, devil. Shut up. But instead he goes, What you want God to do will not keep us alive. And That's an interesting thought. My dad used to say he wanted to live to be 100. And I, for years, didn't say anything. And we have some of our relatives that have lived over a hundred. Aunt Kate um, was I think 104. Massive woman. I think death was afraid to come for her. Um, and she, she was a fearsome fighter as well. Uh, but my, um, I, I was just looking, I, we'd be driving home, and I go, I don't want to live to be a hundred. You know, I don't. So finally I started just telling him, well dad I hope you don't live to be a hundred. And he looked at me really hurt and I said, by that time, I'll be 78. I won't know where I put you. <laughs> this will become very awkward. Now, if you're 78, you understand what I mean. I'm not being insulting. We're all on the same path there. I think maybe I forget the, the point being. You don't get to make these calls. I also remember my dad doing something else. And it really troubled me. I, I need to really emphasize here I do not know all the details I was a boy but he'd gone to preach at a church where the old preacher retired was still in the pews don't do that even though I plan to retire and stay right here and drive off everybody don't you do that I don't plan to do that um, I, I, I don't want everyone to leave 4th Avenue but there you are um, the old preacher had by all accounts been a wonderful individual. But in his last five or six years of life was bitter, divisive, gossipy, and caused all kinds of issues. And I heard my father pray to God saying, if I am going to become one of, like that, please kill me before that happens. I was going, I'm, not, I'm in the room, I don't think I'm supposed to be the agent of this Thing, but you know, it, it was it was a sobering moment, yes. What you were saying about
1: God a while ago, is it possible that the contemporary believing church of today may be bending under the weight of its own rationalism to ah. create to recreate God?
0: Yes, and that allows me to say something which I'm gonna say because we're almost done with the week and you can and not gonna have class the next two weeks, and so you can suffer. We have often bemoaned postmodernism. Because postmodernism will say things like "there's not one central truth," there's not, and I always say "is that true?" and that really throws them off. Uh, or those they question every aspect of reality. Frankly, qu- reality can be questioned, and I think we ought to run it that way. Rationalization. I mean, if you're reading Thomas Aquinas, if you're reading um, Augustine, he would have called himself Augustine, but we put an e on it you're reading somebody logically putting God in boxes and walking around theology to make sure we understand all the edges of God. I am very uncomfortable with that. Very uncomfortable, especially since, as we said in a sermon, he never does it the way you do it. I think postmodernism is a good thing. Do I think we ought to drop rationalism then? No! I think you need to work them together to understand this we know, this we don't, and be comfortable with mystery. Find out as much as you can about the universe. That's our job. But also understand there are some things out there we're not going to learn. And we're going to have to walk in faith. That's a very humbling, very humbling concept. Um, I don't want to start the next one. Until next year.